All right, time to begin our new Miami Sports Pod for this week, and it comes after a weekend of some uh, downs and uh, more downs, and then sort of an up in the Dolphins game. But a lot of questions, guys, as to what is going on in our town with sports. You know, when we came up with this Miami Sports Pod idea, by the way, Will Manso, Clay Furrow, Dookie Lang, we all said to ourselves, well, you know what? Maybe the Dolphins this year start to turn the corner. The Heat maybe make a move, and they're going to you know, be in the mix a little bit. The Canes are coming off the Coastal and the excitement. Mm-hmm. You know, the Panthers are supposed to be that playoff team this year. And then we're just kind of where we are now. Now, the, the way we're going to do the pod today, Clay, and I'll start with you, is how depressed is this sports town right now? The Dolphins may have lifted our spirits a bit on Sunday, but then again, it was after one of the ugliest wins you'll ever see. Uh, is this the low point for this town in a while? Yes, and and the reason why is that at least if you're really, really bad, you have hope for the future because you know that something's coming around the bend. I remember, and, and look, we, we like to let people know uh, who we are as people and, and who we follow in our personal lives. You guys are Giants fans. I remember last year when the Giants started losing over and over again, I would come in and the first thing we would do after we broke down the Dolphins stuff was Will would get on and we would start breaking down mock drafts because mm-hmm. you were looking ahead to having the first or second pick of the draft. potentially, And then ruining it. And, and that's, that's a different discussion. But the point was you had something to look forward to. There is so much mediocrity right now or or sub mediocrity but it's not close enough to being the bottom to where you're going to be able to build back up really quickly so it's i think this is worse than if the fins were (laughs) it's amazing we're saying this after they just won but i think it'd be worse to finish seven and nine than to finish two and 14. yeah i joked on social media on sunday oh the dolphins win in quotations and somebody said well what's better than alternative and I said, yeah, technically it is, but I'm not sure that the many fans actually feel it is better than the alternative. Uh, being bad, really bad, isn't the worst thing for this organization because we know where this is all going. This is going to be a 7-9 and nine or 8-8 eight eight team in the middle, like we all thought they would be. But, uh, Dukie, as I send it to you, I ask you this. What do you think is the most disappointing aspect of this town in sports right now? Or I guess the better question is, who's the most disappointing team or storyline among the sports teams that are struggling right now in South Florida? I think the talent evaluation across the board, it's not even the players. I think it's the decision makers. I think the biggest well, frustration— Well, you didn't the question. I said, which is the team? Well, I, I, I think it's all of them. And and let me explain why. Because I could— I could That's sing a cop-out. Well, no, but it's really— I, I've got a wild card for you. Well, it's not, but let me, let me tell you why, though. It's the Canes, but go ahead. I mean, it could be the Canes. No, it's the Canes. But it could also be the Dolphins. No, it's the Canes. Here's why. And I'll, I want you to finish. But here's why it's the Canes. Out of all the teams we just mentioned, only one of them had expectations where people were actually talking. They right. could be well, good okay. in a championship team. Also because they were good last year. They were 10-0 and last year. Absolutely. But it's just, you know, it's one thing. And Clay talks about hope. And Clay talks about, look, you know, looking forward and something to look forward to. But it's the frustration of, from behind the microphone here, or behind the Twitter keyboard, or on your couch knowing what you see with your own eyes and knowing that this is not good enough, knowing it. And this is multiple teams I'm talking about. And and knowing that it's not going to get better anytime yeah. soon. And knowing, Significantly better. And knowing that the That's people who are empowered to make this not happen, the people who are empowered to not extend Ryan Tannehill, or the people who are empowered to not start Malik Rozier, or the people who are empowered to not sign 75 two slash threes for $18 million a year who can't all get into the game for the Heat. All all of those decision makers, 
like we know it watching from from wherever we're watching mm-hmm. and and we're not paid to do it this is not so how like i think the overall frustration is like why why double down on ryan Tannehill? for example like i'll take Tannehill or or, Rose, or any of these these decisions that are being made that are so clearly wrong and are playing out to be wrong well i think the answer and, is this i think the answer is um people want to save their jobs and 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 it, it may be less so for the Heat because Pat Riley and Eric Spolster's jobs are as secure as they come, but they want to save the, in the Heat's case, the Heat try this now and try to sign these guys and because, A, they truly think some of these guys have bought into the culture and could be better, but I think more than anything, the Heat have an image to uphold more than probably every team in this town because they've actually been good of late. They've been very good, championship good four different times, you know, so I think, you know, you look at the, or excuse me, three different times, you look at the, the, those kind of standards, the other teams don't have that standard right now. So they're trying to do everything they can. I guess, Clay, as I send it back to you, the, the part two of it is I asked Dookie, who's the worst of all of this, who is the one team though, that is most likely to turn it around either with a move or a player coming back or things getting better as they are right now. Let me answer the first part of that, though, because I said I had a wild card in this. For me, the most disappointing is the Heat because of what you just mentioned, the standards. The We hold them to a little bit different standard than we do other teams in this town just because of what they've done historically. And I remember Pat Riley standing up there after the 31-10 and 10 season, uh, second half of the season a couple years ago, and saying, I'm not going to get all uh, goose pimply and and fall in love with this team, et cetera, et cetera. Well, maybe he kind of did. Or at least, I don't know if it was because he emotionally got attached. I think he, going back to your point about talent evaluation, Mm -hmm. I think he thought too much of guys in their best years. And this is where we are, which, by the way, was Jeffrey Loria's downfall for years. He would pay people based on their best years. So that's my answer to the first part of that. To your question about the second part of that, who has the best chance to turn it around and and quickly – I think it's the Canes. I still think it's the Canes because I think it just takes one switch. And that's Mark Rick saying, I'm going to go out and hire a play caller. They've got the talent. They've pulled in some great recruiting classes recently. I know it's not top five year in and year out. But if your goal is to win the Coastal Division, go to the ACC championship game, and have a chance to beat Clemson, I feel like the Canes football squad is closer to its goal than any of the other teams in this town right now. Our sponsor today, Vera Motors, is always when you spend your hard-earned money on a car, go to a place with a reputation. I promise you there is no business in the state of Florida with a better reputation than Vera Motors. Vera Cadillac, Buick, GMC, Pembroke Pines. The Vera family has been serving South Florida for 60 years. For the best deal in South Florida, the best service Vera Cadillac Buick GMC, Vera Cadillac Buick GMC, 300 South University Drive, three miles north of the stadium, Pembroke Pines. You know, I think the Canes are the most disappointing only because of the expectations. I think that the team that could turn around the quickest is the Heat only because they're the only ones, I think, who can get a player, where the Canes right now can't get a player. Uh, the Dolphins are what they are. They can maybe get Ryan Tannehill back, and maybe that straightens things out, but I, we're not even so sure that that would be the case, even if he does come back. Uh, the Heat, if they somehow made a move for some of the names you hear, Jimmy Butler, John Wall, these names, it could bring a little more interest. I think we all know the Heat are winning the championship this year, as pretty much every NBA team outside of the Warriors knows they're not going to win a championship this year. Long term, yeah, Mark Rick, I still, why don't we stick with Mark Rick? Why don't we stick with the Canes for a second? Instead of bouncing around, let's go to each one. So let's start with the Canes. Stop it with the fire Mark Rick stuff. 
number one. Don't Mark, look at me. I never said that. Number one, Mark Rick's not going anywhere. No. Kane's aren't going to fire. Him. Blake James isn't going to fire him. Nor should he. They're 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 not going to put the pressure on him. Mark Rick, as Clay just referenced to, they they won the coastal a year ago. Something this this proud proud program had never done before. They got to within one game of being in the college football playoff. Granted, that game ended before it even started against Clemson last year. But the point is, they got to that goal, fell short, but it was the first time it ever happened. This year's team has been a major disappointment. Mark Rick needs to get a quarterback. Mark Rick needs to get a system. Mark Rick needs to get a play caller. Mark Rick needs to recruit offensive linemen. These are all things we know he has to do. But the base of where he's starting is not a bad place. The Canes do have talent. There are people that say, well, the Canes aren't winning because they don't have talent. I'm sorry. They don't have Alabama talent. They don't have top five talent. But they have Duke and Boston College and Georgia Tech and Virginia. They have that talent and more. They should not be five and four. Bottom line, a lot of that falls on Rick Dookie. I really think a lot of it does. As the head coach, you're also the head recruiter. You're the guy who builds things. You're the guy who puts a system. He needs to sit down this offseason and the old look in the mirror and say, I can't do this alone. I always like to reference Jim Mandich because good friend of mine, mentor, worked at Channel 10 for and years. And he was years. also very bright. I and mean, he, he knows and, what he's talking and about. And he always knew what he was talking about. And what he always would say about sports and teams is you just never know when that magic carpet is going to stop at your doorstep. Okay? Last year for the University of Miami, this is less than 12 months ago. So if we had this podcast 12 months ago, we would be sitting here basically talking about a 10-0 Canes team. Oh, we all said they're back. Who? Forget, for, forget back. Forget the Coastal. After they beat Notre Dame, we were talking about national championship. Okay, that, that we were saying, forget five rings, let's go for six. That, that was the thought process. We went from that, and less than 12 months later... I'm getting texts from friends. Oh, fire Rick. He needs to learn how to recruit better. He needs to try some new tricks. I'm like, what new tricks? Here's what people don't understand about the University of Miami, okay? The University of Miami, the reason that the University of Miami had their five rings and had their run from 1983 through 2001 where they won five, should have been six national championships Hmm. is because the Canes had a hack, okay? They hacked the system and did something that nobody else was doing. And this is a credit to Howard Schnellenberger. They created the state of Miami, okay, where where nobody left Miami. They went into places where no one else was going, and they got talent that no one else got. And they built a dynasty that no one else had. And then Jimmy Johnson came along, and he furthered it. And Dennis Erickson came along, and he didn't screw it up. And Larry Coker came along, and he didn't screw it up. But the University of Miami had a unique recruiting talent above everybody else. Okay, okay. fast forward to 2018. Secrets out. (laughs) There's a lot of talent in South Florida. Everybody recruits down here. Therefore, that dynasty of just getting South Florida talent that nobody else realizes exists, that's not going to happen anymore. Right now, (sighs) the question is, what is the hack that Alabama and Clemson are doing that is putting them so far apart from the rest of college football? What are Nick Saban and Dabo doing that has... College football, you know, the college football playoff comes out every week. We all know it's going to be Clemson, Alabama, ultimately, because they're so far superior to everybody else. So the question is, and the question for Mark Richt, yes, the Canes want to win the Coastal. Yes, of course they should be beating average ACC teams. But Mm -hmm. if you want to talk about 
the ultimate goal of what Mark Richt wants to do with the University of Miami, where he wants to start getting UM to compete for championships, that's the question. What is the hack that Alabama and Clemson have? Because right now, they own, I mean, I, answer, they need a quarterback. I think well, that's part and, of it. And the fact that Miami, and look, this is a pre-Mark Richt problem. Miami, since, I mean, obviously being an alum, I follow Miami, but since I got in this town, I look back and I think when I first got here, and the Canes had Ken Dorsey, and obviously, look, Ken Dorsey, we can all agree, was a great college quarterback, but Ken Dorsey couldn't do it alone. He had enormous playmakers. Outside of surrounding a very good quarterback with enormous playmakers... He wasn't sacked the year they won the national yeah, championship. You he have, wasn't sacked once. I, you have to get... So outside of that, which again, and this isn't to diminish what Ken Dorsey was, but we know that Ken Dorsey... He was a money player in those moments, but he had enormous talent around him. And as you just mentioned, protection. So outside of building that around a quarterback who's very good, you need to get a quarterback who's very great. And if you look around college football, schools, Clay, and you know college football better than anyone I know, schools, the big-time schools, even some of the schools that you wouldn't consider, like for instance, how does an Oregon get a Justin Herbert? He's from Oregon. I get it. He stayed there. In this particular case, the guy who stayed home and likes it. But how, how does a USC get a Sam Darnold? How do a year in and year out, you see these quarterbacks. How do, hey, how about this? How does a Duke get a Daniel Jones? They paid him. I mean, no, <laughs> no but I'm being honest. How do, we know it's always easy to go to Alabama. We know how Alabama gets players. They have Nick Saban in their machine. But I don't even mean that. How does Miami miss out? Or are they getting guys Maybe if a Nikosi Perry goes to one of those schools, he's a, a better player because he's coached better. They're, they need better coaching, and everybody's been on John Richt and, and, and you know Mark Rick's son, the quarterback coach, in the offensive system. What's the answer here? Well, the answer to David's question about what's the hack it's money. This is this is not a not a difficult concept to understand. But what, resources? Resources. It but what is. If the you resources? look at to get a player. If you, no, 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 no. No, no. I don't. No, you mean, are you I saying don't. it's Nick Saban flying in on but his helicopter? Canes, no, because he. The no. Canes just got a beautiful indoor facility. That's not no, going to land them no. a five-star recruited quarterback. Man, if you sign online and look at the support staff that Alabama and Clemson have, it is check on their football website and look at the the coaches and assistants list. It is mind-boggling. I but want I'm to not say even Alabama talking just had... about those guys. I'm not talking no, about no, no, any no, no, program no. in this country. I, uh, well, no, because it's two different questions. I'm going back to what to what Dukey said because I, I didn't want to interrupt, but oh, I want to come back to national, that. For yes. compete to national to, talent? To, to have the year after year after year after year hacking uh, hacking the system, it's money. So they're... Alabama and Clemson are always going to be in the running, period, because they, they have so much money into this. And Dabo has done an outstanding job because Clemson's had money for a while. But he did a really good job of, of kind of deciding, all right, where is this money going to go? The hack that he discovered when you know, you're talking about Howard Schnellenberger in the state of Miami, his hack was, hey, pay, pay me okay. Go out and pay Chad Morris a lot as my offensive coordinator. I want to say he was the first head coach to pay a coordinator. He was either $1 or $2 million. Mm-hmm. I can't remember the number. I need to go back and look. Pay Brent Venables through the nose. I mean, pay these guys. So yeah. it, it, it that's that's the hack to being the, the year in and year out Alabama and Clemson. Will, to your question about the quarterback, I think there's a, a huge element of luck to this. 
I really do. Now that doesn't I mean, mean that you can't. Years win. of bad luck, though. Well, but, no, no, and that's Brad Kaya, who was a, a solid college quarterback. But look at Alabama, and they've won in spite of this. But the quarterbacks that they've brought in, I mean, it is they have won in spite of their quarterbacks' fears. Now they got Tua Tagovailoa now, who is, I mean, he's a left-handed Drew Brees with more mobility. It's it's crazy watching him play. But for years, it was okay. If you're going to beat Alabama, you have to stop the run and make their mediocre quarterback throw an interception. And that was the only way that you found a way to beat them. And I go back to, look at the Heisman Trophy winning quarterbacks of of recent years. And and this is just going back the last decade. But, I mean, Sam Bradford was a three-star recruit. Ended up going to Oklahoma. Johnny Manziel was a three-star recruit. And Baker Mayfield was a walk-on. Yeah, so I I do think that that sometimes there's a little bit of element of luck to to finding the elite NFL level quarter. It just happens. But, and I mean, then, but then there, there has to be an enormous amount no, of bad luck then if you're the Kings because well, they can't find anyone. And this brings me to my second point. You can still run an effective offense without an NFL-level quarterback. This whole uh, talent versus scheming thing and, oh, well, people are creating straw men here. I've seen this argument on Twitter, and and I, I don't get why there's the necessity to prove a point to create a straw man, right? And the straw man that is created is, well, Mark Rick doesn't have three to five first-round guys on his offense. You don't need that. It, where Miami's offense is right now, and, and I love, and I, I'll geek out on you for a second if I haven't lost you already, um, but there is a metric and analytics. Uh, no, if you're listening, you're getting what you deserve. <laughs> this is true. If you're but, 17 minutes into this podcast. Yeah, we're, so the way everything is analytics now, and, and one of the ones that I like, it's, it's S&P. It's, it's a new, new way to measure efficiency of offense. How good is your offense, basically? And it adjusts for uh, schedule strength. So, you know, it's not all right. Total yards. Well, uh, you know, a Division two school or a Division one school that plays terrible opponents is you know, they get more total yards than everybody because they play bet. No, this adjusts for schedule strength. Miami's S and P offensively, sixty okay. sixth in the country. There are sixty five Power Five teams. The teams that are ahead of them. These are the teams that are, and again, this is adjusted for schedule strength, the teams that have better offenses than Miami. These are just some of them. Florida Atlantic, Wake Forest, who, by the way, has had 12 players lost to injury on that team, Liberty, Bowling Green, Army. This is my point. Appalachian State. How, so, how are those teams and, 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 well, more productive? And, not to interrupt you, but this is my point and what I keep coming back to. You do not need three to five first-round picks on your offensive squad in order to have Thank an you. effective offense. Thank now, you. you may need that to to be the, the best or the second best, to be an Oklahoma or, or a, an Alabama. I think those are the top two this year. Um, but to be top 20, top 25, I, I follow Virginia Tech. Their offense is, eh, they don't have any draft picks on, on that offense right now. They're 24th in S&P. And so... There are ways that you can scheme around talent where you can at least get into the top 30, top 35. There's 65 Power 5 teams, That's where play calling, coaching, and development comes in. Look, the biggest mistake Mark Rick made this year was not sticking with Nikosi Perry when he went to him. Yes. To pull him in that Virginia game and change it. Look, at the time, I thought maybe getting Rozier in as a spark at that game wasn't the worst thing, and I still, looking back on it, because Perry had started off so slow with the two picks and it looked it wasn't the worst thing. But to then see Rozier 
perform poorly or perform more to the standard we've seen him perform now and you know all the games we've seen him play. We know who he is. You got to go back to Perry. He has it. And now this two quarterback system is ridiculous. He he looks like a guy who doesn't know what he's doing or or what he has when he's had both of these quarterbacks in for a long time. Perry's not a true freshman. He's a redshirt freshman. He had him last year. He got to see him. And if you're telling me he doesn't know the playbook or you can't extend it past four or five plays in the playbook, then you know what? That's on you and your yes. coaching staff because you've had him for two years in the program now and he still isn't improving. That's on you. And number two is or just play him and see how he gets there. Or maybe Jaron maybe Jaron Williams is the answer and they're just saving the red shirt and we're going to see him later in the year those final two games. That better be the answer, Dookie, because if it's not, this team's in big trouble. Well, and and see, that's the problem. They're they're letting being good get in the way of trying to be great. Okay, trying this whole concept of Mark Rick trying to salvage the coastal this year. This needs to be a bigger vision program issue instead of grasping at whatever they can salvage from this crappy season, which five and four is. By Miami standards, not a good I mean, season. It's, it's a terrible season for okay. them. I mean, so it, so rather rather it's than golden esque. Yeah, so rather than like grasp at straws, just look big picture. Same with the Miami Dolphins. This is this is what infuriates me. The big picture is the University of Miami. If they're going to have any success, they, it doesn't have to be an, a first round NFL quarterback, but they need a good college quarterback. Okay, there are four quarterbacks currently on their team. One is a senior who you know exactly what you have, who's okay, who did a good job last year not messing it up during the turnover chain, everything was going on, but who is limited and who is leaving in three or four games. Mm -hmm. I say three or four games depending on if they make a bowl game, what the bowl game is, etc. The second one, as you mentioned, is a redshirt freshman, been in the program two years, been waiting for him, you put a redshirt on him last year, should be talented. Third one, Currently serving a four-game suspension for we don't know what, but again, a young guy who was supposed to be a good quarterback in Weldon. We don't know what we have. And then you have a true freshman in Jaron Williams who comes in who's highly touted, who, again, big picture, you want to be smart. You don't want to play him enough games to burn his red shirt, but you'd like to see what you have in him. So those are your four candidates right now, plus whoever you recruit. Which at the moment there is no one in the pipeline. There's no, there's no reason Rocher should play again. Truthfully, there's just none because they're not the the odds of them winning the coastal. They need like five different things to happen. So I don't play Rocher. Nikosi Perry, sure, give him a couple more reps. Cade Weldon, I don't even know when he gets back from his suspension. And then Jaron Williams, if you can get him some snaps without burning his red shirt, so you can kind of see what's there, go for it because th- that is the question that has to be answered. You know, Clay, you mentioned the Giants earlier. I mean, to use the analogy of, of the New York Giants, and, and we talked about how they had the second pick and they took Saquon Barkley. If you look at that franchise, okay, the Dolphins play, I'll use the Jets because the Dolphins play the Jets on Sunday. Sam Darnold was terrible. He looked like a rookie. He threw four interceptions that probably should have been about eight. He was clueless. He couldn't get out of the pocket. No one was open. That I mean, the, the Dolphins won by default. I'm sorry. Their defense was great. Yay, congratulations, Matt Burke. You saved your job a week. That was one of the worst offensive teams I've ever seen in the Jets. Just horrendous. However, if the Jets have a terrible year, which it appears they're going to have, but over the course of the 16 games, 
Sam Darnold starts to work out some of the kinks and he starts to figure out some of these things and he starts making his mistakes. And at the end of the 16 games, he's much better than when he started the 16 games and they start 2019 with a quarterback. It was worth it. A 21-year-old quarterback. Because then, because then you're looking towards the next 15 years. Okay? This, is, this has been my point about Perry. And so, and so I, no, with, with the University of Miami, if they played this year and, God forbid, they didn't win the Coastal, which I swear I did not know the Coastal existed until Al Golden came to the University of Miami. I watched ACC. I've Since I was in school in 2000, I've watched ACC basketball. I watched... 30 Duke games a year. I watch every University of Miami football game. I had no idea the Coastal and the Atlantic until Al Golden came and made it a goal to win the Coastal. I didn't know Miami was in the Coastal because I didn't care about the Coastal. I want to win the ACC and win the national championship. Period. End of discussion. Okay? But now now it's all about the Coastal. I digress because I started talking about Al Golden and I, and I got all fired up. But, but the, the point is that the Canes, if they even if they didn't win the Coastal this year, but they developed, if they left this season, the same way if the Jets leave this season going, you know what, Darnold took his lumps, but he's ready to go for next year. If the Canes had Nicosi and he took his lumps, but he's the guy going into next year, and he's going to be the Canes quarterback for the next two, three years, and you feel good about him, and he went on the road in, in Virginia Tech and lost, but he learned some stuff, and he worked his way through the Florida State game, and he's learning to make his reads, and he's getting deeper into the playbook. Instead, whose job are you saving? You've been here three years. You won 10 games last year. You went to the Orange Bowl. You're fine. Nobody's firing you. Twitter is not Blake James. So nobody's firing Mark no, Rick. So, so what are they trying to salvage? I think the answer is... They need is, to think big picture. They do. I, they, I, here's the thing. This is the optimistic that's what side of me. me. I think Mark Rick does see the big picture, but I think his big picture includes after what happened last year, winning another Coastal. Because they won the Coastal last year and they came with the expectations this year, I think Mark Richt is trying to do everything, as he should. Every coach should try to win every game you play and give yourself the best chance to win, as he talks about with Malik Rozier. I think it's been a miscalculation because I don't think Malik Rozier clearly gives you the best chance to win. Right. I think Nikosi Perry is the most talented guy. There's only one thing that salvages this Kane season. It's not winning out. It's not winning the Coastal. It's when Jaron Williams plays... He's the truth, and he's legitimate, and you see it. Because if this season ends, no matter if the Canes win two out of three to end the season and play well in a bowl and in the, in the, in the yep. hula hoop cocktail bowl, whatever, whatever whatever way they end the season, if they end the season where Davi Malik's gone and then Perry's still a question mark and Jaron comes in and struggles and you don't really see anything I think there, it's safe to say either Cade or 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 uh, one of them is going to transfer. I, that's just my opinion. Well, I mean, yeah, I, I don't think they're. I don't think they're both going to stick around for well, four I, years. That, and that's look. That's going right? to happen. That's I why mean, you get three or four guys because you know that one or two will stick and your tra- other guys transfer. I think the only way this season is salvaged from a Kane's perspective is that you get some sort of silver lining at the end. That man, Jaron Williams looks legit. That's look, all, he was yes. a, he was an Army All American. All those things, the pedigree that he came with. Kid's big, strong. He's got a, a strong arm. I haven't seen much of him because again, we don't see them at practice. Uh, we don't see them in the scrimmages. We recreate their scrimmages, but we don't see them. <laughs> because uh, we don't see them. He played very little in that Savannah State game, I think. You can't really get a gauge from that. Uh, but, yeah, if that happens. But I think to Clay's point earlier, you need to make changes either in your in your scheme, your game plan, or in your staff. A lot is on Mark Rick's plate, and, and I think now is the time he's really got to look in the mirror. If this quarterback question gets answered this year, then you know what? It was just a down year. Or even, but even this, Will. Okay, so they talk about simplifying the playbook and they can only do X, Y, or Z. Okay, well, now the season's kind of lost. Okay, in terms of 
most of the goals that you have. So when you got nothing, you got nothing to lose. So why not try and expand the playbook for either Jaron Williams or Nikosi Perry? Why not throw a little bit more at them? Let's throw them out of their comfort zone. See what they can do. Maybe you don't have to baby them quite as much. Maybe you don't have yeah, to. Li- I, I, because at this point, you lose a Vir- you lose Georgia Tech, you lose Virginia Tech. I mean, the season's lost. You, you, the the three game losing streak. That was it. The the chances of the coastal actually, the bowl they can game. actually still win the coastal. Yeah, but it's it's this I mean, has it's to happen even, and that no, has to happen. Not, it's believe it or not, it's the like four ACC steps. Is so bad, it's like three or four steps that aren't that crazy. But the craziest one is they have to win the rest of the games, which that, that might be the hardest thing. Let consider me, they can't win a damn game. Let me just put a bow on this because I know we're going to move on. But going back to you know you you mentioned Alabama and Clemson. What did Dabo Swinney do this year, a year after making the college football playoff? We're talking about quarterbacks. We're talking about making— He benched his quarterback that got him there. He benched the quarterback that got him there because he looked at the situation and said, if I'm going to beat Alabama, he made that decision for one team to beat Alabama. He said, if I'm going to beat Alabama, I have seen the ceiling for this team with Kelly Bryant at quarterback. And by the way, Kelly Bryant may go somewhere else. He may come to Miami, for all we know, as a grad transfer and end up playing really, really well. But— this team's ceiling with Kelly Bryant is losing to Alabama in the college football playoff. I need to find a better. So he rolled the dice, understanding full well that Trevor Lawrence is going to take his lumps as a true freshman. He got nailed and had to leave a game and they had to bring in Chase Bryce. Still, he understood. Yep. By the end of the year, you're going to have that learning curve. And hopefully once you do face Alabama, which I think we all feel like that's going to happen, You've got the best version that you're going to possibly have of your quarterback this year. And so I, I think those are the types of tough decisions between that and hiring a play caller that Mark Richt is going to have to make as the CEO of this program in order to take them to the next level. I mean, Clay, that's such a good point. I mean, th- compare that to to what we saw on Saturday night with Rozier starts and then the Canes are backed up on the five in a monsoon. So that's the time that they bring in Nikosi to have him throw a screen pass out of the end zone. And then they decided to bring Rozier back in. He didn't play well. Another monsoon. Let's bring in. I mean, what? Like, you think about that. What was that versus clear-headed, bold, thinking big, developing talent? I mean, it's just, it's, and if there's any, Mark Rick's not getting fired, but Mark Rick needs to realize that even though Miami is not yet a big program, people here think of Miami yes. like a big oh, program. We live in the 1980s. So we, we are we are in a Miami Vice time. Why do you think the Vice jerseys are so popular? People like the Vice 80s down jerseys, here. You got the Miami Vice. There's still clubs and God knows what else in the, in the Canes. Everybody Look, thinks that's nice. By the way, the, the new Vice jerseys are the most exciting thing in sports what do you right mean? now. Nobody's the, leaked the, them. Yeah. Seen them <laughs> Nobody's, don't search on Twitter. Don't go out there and I, I will just say this. This is the reality. Dolphins fans are stuck in the 70s. Canes fans are stuck in the 80s. And Heat fans are going to be stuck in the 2000s. That's just... That's just how it is. It feels like it. It feels like it. Except, look, the NBA could change much quicker than those other leagues because unlike the NFL... But LeBron's not coming again. Unlike the NFL in college, no, but... You, you get it. I mean, look, you see it all the time. They, they Sha- you say Shaq was Sha- you got Shaq once in a lifetime. No, then you got LeBron. You outdid it, and Chris Bosh and Dwayne Wade. They will be good again really soon because that's the way the NBA is set up. If you're smart, you have good executives, and you're at a destination place, which is we know in the NBA there are a few places that are better than Miami. 
in the NFL, there's no desp- there's no like Aaron Rodgers isn't you know waiting to be a free agent to say I want to go to Miami. It's more about your franchise, you know, what you have. These guys that team together in the NBA. I want to turn my attention real quick to the Heat, but real quick, remember our sponsor today, Vera Motors. When you spend your hard-earned money on a car, go to a place with a reputation. I promise you, there's no business in the state of Florida with a better reputation than Vera Motors. Vera kind of like Buick GMC, Pembroke Pines. The Vera family has been serving South Florida for 60 years. For the best deal in South Florida, the best service, Vera Cadillac Buick GMC, Vera Cadillac Buick GMC, 300 South University Drive, three miles north of the stadium, Pembroke Pines. Um, I want to end these final couple minutes talking about the Heat. The Heat are in a crossroads right now because the NBA is changing so fast. And look, there it's not the matter that the Heat aren't playing defense. It's that the NBA is at a ridiculous offensive clip with a three-point shot and all those things. So I want to end by asking this question. It's just one question on the Heat, and that's, are the Heat, and should the Heat even at this point, given that it's not even about being 3-5 and five as we speak. Uh, they play Monday night against Detroit. For those that are listening to the pod after that, obviously they'll have played. But uh, it's not a matter of saying, oh, they're 3-5, and five, this team's not going to make the playoffs. I think we all agree this team is probably going to make the playoffs, and they'll probably be on the 6-8 seed like they were last year where they were fighting for a 6-7 or 8. And if, if all breaks, well, maybe they can give a team a battle in the first round, but... I think most people would say they're probably a first-round exit. I think that's fair. I don't think that's ripping the heat. Uh, but I also wonder if that's best for them. It, 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 do you go out and truly get a Jimmy Butler or John Wall now? Or do you say, let's let the season play out and let's just see what happens. And maybe we're not that good and we get a lottery pick and maybe we get a young player. Or is that just not the way the heat will ever think? I defer to Spo and Riley when it comes to, to talent evaluation. Mm-hmm. So, and and given what given what happened with some of the guys down the stretch of thirty and eleven, hey, maybe they made a couple of mistakes there. But that aside, if they decide, because the the thing about Butler and Wall is you're not just getting them, and, and again, that Wall hasn't even been mentioned in connection with the Heat. That's more Twitter scuttle. We know that well, Butler was they, close. Yeah, Butler was actually close to happening. Very, very close. So you're not just getting Butler for this year. You're getting Butler because you want his bird rights to sign him to a long-term contract. John Wall is under contract for a few more years. Making and, and 40, has, $45 million. And, and I think the trade kicker would take it up to 50 So... You are not just getting those guys for for this year. You are saying this is the type of player that I believe will help us land a star in the future. So, and I've gone back and forth on this. I was thinking last night about it, thinking, wow, I mean, with as poorly as they're playing right now, we do think they'll get it turned around. But if there's a shot of them getting a lottery pick, do you really want to give up a potential lottery pick in what's going to be a really good draft? And then I stepped back and I said, you know what? Long term for this franchise, they need a star. And even if you get a guy at the 10th or 11th pick, that guy is not going to attract a a Giannis or whoever's going to happen to be available in free agency in a few years, whoever it might be. So, yes, to answer your question, yes, if if you could still make a reasonable deal for Butler, if you could still make a reasonable deal, call up Washington, see if they're ready to to start that thing over because who knows what's happening there, and they're willing to part with Wall or even Bradley Beal, fine, go for it. But it has to be a reasonable deal, whereas before the season, you know me, I was all in on give up whatever it takes to get Jimmy Butler. Now I'm kind of resigned to, well, the way this team is playing, only do the smart deal because you don't want to do something that, unless you're trading that first-round pick with lottery protection, you don't want to do something that's going to take away your chance to get a, as Riley calls it, a transformative player in the draft. It's a tough spot because there's just no easy answer for the Heat. 
I do think they'll turn it around in the sense that, look, Spo will figure out how to get things working defensively. The game is changing. The pace of the game is the highest it's been. I mean, the team they lost to the other night, the Hawks, number one pace in the NBA. I mean, shots per possession are ridiculous. Or shots per game, excuse me, possessions per game are ridiculous. I mean, it, you see what they're doing, and it's it's off the charts for a team that's not really good in the Hawks, but somehow they're up there and they're getting the most possessions per 48 in the league. And see, that's why, and I'm glad you said that, Will, because to me this is two separate issues, right? There's a Pat Riley issue and there's an Eric Spolstra issue. And I think that the reality is until Pat Riley does something, whether it's go out and get a John Wall or go out and make a trade for a Jimmy Butler, until that happens, Eric Spolstra has to coach the team that he has. And I have been surprised by... Because I've always seen Spo's ability to adapt as being one of his best qualities and to sort of create, take his team's talents and sort mm-hmm. of create an identity for his team. I have never seen, and we're, we're less than 10 games in, so relax, but I have I don't remember seeing a, a Heat team with such little defensive force. The NBA can change, and there, there are games in the 145s, and I mean, the... the as as one one of you guys said the other day, these look like all-star games. I mean, these scores are ridiculous. That being said, I do not remember a Miami Heat team that was incapable of playing a defensive game that is in line with... I'm not saying that they're going to hold teams in the 80s, but for a Heat team to give up 120... What is it? 125, 123, and 125, or whatever. It is, over 120 points a game three times in a row. It's just, this is not a team that's built to score like that. And so I think rather than transforming the roster, I think they need to figure out what the heck they're doing right now. Sure. Big picture. Yes. If, if tomorrow you get a perfect offer from Minnesota and Jimmy Butler's on the next flight, do it. But given that it hasn't happened and how long have we been talking about Jimmy Butler over on this month, podcast? Over a month. I mean, forget it. I, I think before the summer we were talking, he was one of the names that we were kicking around. I think you got to play with the team you have right now. And the team that the Heat have right now and the players that the Heat have right now are better than they are defensively. And I uh, and, yeah, and got to get that out of and them and they I don't understand I, I don't understand why he hasn't figured it out. Well, I, I think he, I think he's tried to figure it out. The guys are giving too much space to guys and they they played against the Hawks of the night the second half that was I think they gave up 48 49 points in the second half including 21 points in the fourth quarter. That's a defense in this new NBA. That's basically holding a team to 100 and, points well, th- which I, would make you the best defense in the which NBA is, by the way. Which is which is what this team and this franchise has always got to be 48 minutes. So you can't give that, guys space. You got to be in guys faces and yes. I don't know if it's a continuity thing because Spoh's trying to do so many different lineups. I you know in a night like for instance Hassan is a focal point and then the next night against a Hawks team it's funny because Hassan only played, I think, 16, 18 minutes against the Hawks, and everybody talked about, well, you know, the pace, the pace. Yeah, but, I mean, you've had that pace. I mean, they had that pace against Sacramento, had that pace against Charlotte twice, and Hassan still played a lot of can, minutes. Can so I, I don't know if there's really an answer to this. Can Can I propose an answer to this? Pick your best five. Pick, pick, pick. In, in a positionless world, pick the five guys on your team who are willing to play the type of Miami Heat they defense. They all play the same position. I, I, that's the point. So take the best five. Don't make it based on contract. Don't give Tyler Johnson minutes because you're playing him $18 million. That, now, let, me, let me just if, say that. They're okay. not playing Tyler Johnson. because They're playing Tyler Johnson because Spo has always been. Look, I said this before. As crazy as it sounds, that that team from a couple years ago that, that went nuts in the second half, Tyler Johnson led the NBA in fourth quarter minutes that season. 
this isn't new that Spo likes playing Tyler in big minutes and in key spots. He has a faith and belief in Tyler. Now, Tyler, for whatever reason, hasn't really validated that on a consistent basis. Now, I will say this, though. He has had a couple nice games in a row to end last week, to end the week. He had a couple nice games in a row that it looks like maybe he's he's finding his groove a little. But with Tyler, we've always seen that it comes down to being consistent. He's not necessarily the most consistent player, but it's just there's no easy answer here, There's guys. There's no magical lineup. But I and I just I'm just surprised that even in a world where all of the Heat players are sevens across the board, seven out of ten, okay, they don't have any ten players, they don't have any four players. They're they're a bunch of sevens, right? In terms of ability, one out one through ten. I'm surprised that even with that group, whatever iteration he comes up with, whatever five he has on the court, since when do the Heat give up wide open three after wide open three after wide? I, I I'm I refuse right, right. I refuse right. to believe. Oh, it's just that you know what basketball has changed, and from now on, everybody has this. Every night the Heat are playing the Warriors, and they're going to give up 130 points. I'm sorry, I don't think that's the NBA. I don't think that's what I. I think the Heat are going to. I think. Without making a single move, I think the Heat are going to figure it out because I think Eric Spolstra could not tolerate giving up 130 points a night. I tell you well, what, he's, it, not, he's not going to tolerate it, no. If he does, I think it'll be his best coaching job. Here's why. My concern with this team is that for years we've known, and this is going back ever since LeBron left, and and that team, if Bosh had been healthy, would have been top four to five talent-wise in the East. I mean, but they would have been better than that potentially if and when it all came together because of Spo and because of Heat culture and because of, of camaraderie and chemistry and all of that. The Heat are the team that always play a little bit above their talent level. So even the last last three years, we knew heading into the year that these teams, and again, that's assuming, again, when Chris Bosh got sick, this team was not top eight in talent. It's still not top eight in talent. But because of Eric Spolstra and because of the coaching, they were able to make up that talent gap. Here's the problem I see. The new NBA rules, the freedom of movement, you can't muck it up anymore, to use Eric Spolstra's phrase. What the Heat used to do, getting up in your grill, making everything tough for you, the new rules don't let you do that as much. Now, the three-point shooting is one thing, and giving up open threes, that's that's inexcusable, and you can still get in someone's face on a three-pointer. There's no rule against that. The problem is with this freedom of movement stuff. I still think they're trying to figure out how to play defense. And, and I they don't are, know how, and I think the, the, the rules the rules broke like game one. They didn't know about this. Like no, I, they I just, no, you, no, you, they, they can't hide, it, they can't hide the talent disparity anymore. Is yeah, what I'm and, and you and look until look. I've heard other players around the league, and there are the Heat are not the only team that's struggling right now. There are teams that have much higher expectations from the outside than the Heat that are struggling. You look around the NBA. There's a lot of good teams that are struggling, and a lot of teams. I read a lot of quotes from players. On other teams and stories from other games, players are saying the same thing. Dwayne Wade, 16-year veteran, uh, knows the game better than anyone. He said, look, we're still feeling our way through this. We're still trying to figure this out. That's why I think they do get a little of a pass, but I think we also understand that the upside to this team is probably what we've seen the last three years. It's probably what I think everyone expected them to be. So, again, this town, we started this pod saying about the disappointment of this town. And right now, I think, Clay, you said it best in the beginning. It's the way we'll end the pod. There's just a lot of mediocrity in this town right now. We didn't even get in-depth on the Dolphins, and it's not because we want to dismiss a win. They won. They beat the Jets 13-6. You mentioned Sam Darnold was awful. The Jets are horrendous. But we all know we're going to be sitting here next week, and we're going to be doing a podcast, and the Dolphins are going to be 5-5 going into the bye. That's just the way it is. And a few weeks after that, they're probably going to be 6-6, 
or seven and seven, and then lose a game they shouldn't, and they'll end up seven and nine like they always do. Since we've been all doom and gloom, can I tell a, a funny joke that I just saw on Twitter to kind of make us all laugh? Please. This is from uh, uh, Vishnu Parasuraman. He he writes for Slice Miami. He writes a lot of uh, Kane stuff. Uh, the Hurricanes. This is true. The Hurricanes got a commit from a, a recruit, a punter. Uh, over the weekend. Thank God. <laughs> is he named Fiegels? Please, please don't be named Fiegels. <laughs> I got to give him credit because this is this is great, and this kind of puts it all in in uh, perspective. His quote: "I guess that was the one recruit who saw our offense and was excited." That's a very good point. <laughs> that's that's the way we ended too, because it's true. Everything in this town has become a punchline. Someone save us! We need a savior. We need a hero, Bonnie Tyler. We need a hero. Mesa Mesa. Call it up for a hero. Put yeah, the morning need... light. Mesa Mesa. Marlins, Marlins are going to trade JT. And he's got to be right? fast. Yeah, and, get, and get Gary Sanchez. strong for the fight. See, oh, anytime Clay ends on a song, you know, it's it's bad. Or good. Look, anything better than mediocre. That's all I got to say. I need a hero.